We are in the third week of our new series for the new year, looking at simplifying our lives, simplifying our lives, especially through the exercise of decluttering, clutter. Clutter is any untidy collection of unneeded things, useless things, forgotten things, unwanted things, things that we hang on to out of habit or neglect or insecurity. And it's a problem. It's a problem because it's always coming at us. It's always coming at us and it just keeps on coming. And that's a problem because clutter distracts us. It can confuse us. Clutter gets in the way of what we're doing or what we want to do or where we want to go. Decluttering is the process in which you remove, reorganize, reorder for the sake of cleanliness or comfort, for simplicity's sake, for improved aesthetics, for more successful living. When you declutter, you're making value judgments on the stuff you've got, what's most important that you need to keep close at hand what's useful and helpful but can be put away for now, and what needs to go, what you need to get rid of. And as we've already discussed, just as we declutter our space, we can declutter other areas of our life, every area of life, really, our hearts and minds, our calendar and schedule, as we saw last week, our soul. Today, we're looking at decluttering our relationships and friendships. Our relationships and friendships. You know, when God created the earth, he pronounced everything good. The light, the sky, the earth, the vegetation. Over and over again, we read, and God saw that it was good. But then, Genesis tells us there was one exception. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. God has made us for relationships, and it's not good to be all alone and on our own, of course. It's important to have alone time and quiet time for sure, but it is decidedly not good to find ourselves in isolation, all alone with no other choice. That said, It's not just about having a lot of people around all the time. It's the right people in the right place in our life. People are God's fuel for our growth. Our relationships dramatically determine the physical, psychological, and spiritual health of our lives. As children, we have very little ability to determine the people in our lives. We're born or adopted into a family that we do not choose. We begin to find freedom to make friends as we get into school or later in the work world. But those friends can be largely determined by the accident of proximity. Just being in the same neighborhood or class or office, just sharing the same stage or state of life, all of which is fine and as it should be. But as adults, we should also become more intentional about our relationships. Why? Because 
While the right people are absolutely crucial to our health and growth, the wrong people can get us in trouble. The wrong people can lead us down the wrong road or at least keep us from where we want to go. The wrong people can drain us of joy. Two weeks ago, we talked about about being curators. Museums have staff called curators whose job is not only to conserve the museum's collection, but to organize it and arrange it, deciding which items to exhibit, which items to store, and which items are no longer in the collection. We should be doing that for sure with all the stuff in our life. But my point here is we can do that with our relationships too. In all charity for sure, but we definitely should be curating our relationships. For you to have a more successful life, to become the person God created you to be, for you to accomplish what God has called you to accomplish, to be healthy and whole, we need the right people in the right place in your life and the wrong people out. Book of Proverbs says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. We will be walking with someone at some point. It might as well be the right someone. And that's someones in the plural. You need a network of people. A mistake often made is to put too much emphasis on one person. Sometimes when we get frustrated with someone, it's precisely because we're expecting more from them than they can give. You can't expect your spouse to meet all of your emotional and relational needs. It's impossible. Students, you can't expect your parents to completely meet your emotional needs, and neither will your friends at school. If you're in the workplace, you can't expect that from your boss or your coworkers. Our hearts and souls need relational nutrients, and there are lots of them. And different people can provide them in different ways. There are lots of relational nutrients, and they can be described variously, but basically they all come down to two. Grace and truth. Grace and truth. We need grace in the form of kindness, caring, compassion. We need people in our lives who can give us a hug on on a bad day and share our joy on a good one. But we also need truth, truth in the form of people who can provide reality for us. These are people who are honest and wise and can speak truth into our lives in a way that we can hear. Both the truth and grace relationships can motivate us to take action, help us to grow through difficulties and work with us to solve problems. This is why we need a network of people, because no one single person can do all that. We need grace and truth from the people in our life, and they need grace and truth from us. There should be a mutual giving and receiving. Oftentimes, it will be uneven. It's true. That's inevitable, and it's okay. Sometimes we find ourselves giving more than we receive. Other times, We're more on the receiving end. But it's got to be mutual or it can't be sustained. 
The point is, we are intentional about our relationships. We see that Jesus was intentional about his relationships, and it's played out in today's gospel, describing the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. Jesus chose to move from his tiny hometown of Nazareth to Capernaum, a somewhat larger tiny town on the Sea of Galilee. He intentionally put his family relationships on the back burner for a time, they appear again later in the story, to start some new relationships in Capernaum. Capernaum was a bustling place that thrived on its fishing industry and was close to a major Roman road, the Via Maris, which served as the commercial route for the whole region. Jesus strategically chose Capernaum as his home base because the land route and the sea both provided opportunities to launch his many missionary trips. But today, we're more interested in who he would take with him on those trips, which was his first order of business in getting started in Capernaum. Before he even considered undertaking the what of his ministry, he concerned himself with the who, the people who would be his closest friends and followers. And apparently he had two important criteria for discernment. As he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea. They were fishermen. He said to them, come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Simon, Peter, and Andrew were fishermen. This detail is added to know not only their profession, but their state and status in the community. The life of a fisherman was hard and demanding work involving long hours. Jesus recognizing the work ethic that they demonstrated caused Peter and Andrew to follow him. And that was the first criterion for being his disciple. And that was unusual to say the least. In that day, at that time, Jewish boys would go to the local rabbi for their basic education. Then, when they reached a certain age, they would take up their trade or craft in the community, except for the best and the brightest, who would continue in their education as the rabbi's disciples or senior students, with the possibility of becoming rabbis themselves. That Peter and Andrew, both young men, were fishermen, tells us they didn't make the rabbi's cut. Jesus reverses the rabbi's decision and the norm. He calls these ordinary, hardworking men just like the people that he will be teaching and preaching to. Besides their hardworking credentials, clearly Jesus also saw something else in these guys that the rabbi missed. And he was right because at once they left their nets and followed him. At once. They put aside their work and their work relationships without hesitation to follow Jesus. They make a relationship with Jesus their top priority. And that's the other criterion for being his disciple. Next, Jesus continues down the shoreline and continues his recruitment. He walked along from there and saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. 
They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. So Jesus calls James and John. They, too, respond with amazing promptness. Only their summons to follow Jesus comes with greater sacrifice. For these brothers not only leave behind their fishing companions, but their father. They put their relationship with their father on hold, at least for a time, to pursue a new relationship that would become a life-changing relationship with the Lord. A successful life, a life of personal, spiritual, and professional growth comes from being, in part, intentional and discerning about our relationships. Like Jesus, we need to discern. He chose people who were humble and hardworking, but also hungry for the more their lives could be as his friends and followers. So for us, first thing, prioritize relationships where you're able to receive what you need and give what another or others need. If you know you're going through a difficult time and need someone who understands your struggles, then invest in a friendship that will make that happen. Or vice versa, if you know you have a friend in need. If you have an aging parent or a young child, they need your grace and you can prioritize them. If you have a troubled family member or friend, they need your truth and you can prioritize them. The clutter comes in not recognizing our priorities. Then there are relationships that might be entering a new season, like James and John with their father. This is not necessarily good or bad in itself. Every friendship and relationship has different seasons and stages of life. The clutter comes in failing to recognize that fact. This often happens with friendships formed out of convenience or circumstance or shared experience. When the circumstance changes, when the experience ends, we struggle to hold on to what we had, but sometimes we simply can't. Or it could be an investment you're making in someone else that is now complete, or an investment that hasn't been successful, that isn't making a difference, and it's time to step back or press pause. And then, of course, there are the relationships that need to end. They're simply toxic. Maybe no one is right or wrong, no one is good or bad, but there is no exchange of grace and truth. So, this week, why not take some time in your quiet time to take stock of your relationships? Think about evaluating and prioritizing them. If you want some help in figuring out how to prioritize, Join this week's workshop. It's Wednesday, January 25th, on decluttering your relationships. Just go to our website, look for Nativity Top 3, where you can register to join us via Zoom. Take a look at the very first thing John's Gospel tells us about Jesus. Among all the things he could have told us about the Son of God, what was the very first thing John wrote? The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, coming from the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth.
To be like Jesus means, first of all and above all, aspiring to lives that are filled with grace and truth. And that absolutely means pursuing relationships that are full of grace and truth. Hey everyone, thanks for watching with us today. Hit that subscribe button right now so you don't miss a single thing. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples simply by sharing this video. We are so grateful you're part of our community.